Hi there, this is Yolanda, and I'm sharing with you from the memoirs of Joseph Smith III, 1832 to 1914, and we're partway through page 206 of chapter 23. Um, enjoy, and please bear with me. To this reasoning, my listeners agreed, though they acknowledged it was quite new to them. When the son came downstairs to breakfast the next morning, he said he had spent a good share of the night in thinking over what I had presented, and the morning he studied it, the better it pleased him. At a subsequent visit, upon challenges from the doctor, I occupied the time in examining a test of scriptures which he supplied, a text of scriptures which he supplied. He was under the impression I would hesitate to preach upon the subject, even going so far as to say he believed I could not, that I would dodge the issue as other preachers had done when he had asked them to discourse upon it. The text was, For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory for ever. Amen. Romans 11.36 when I accepted his challenge, a time was arranged for my return and he took pains to advertise it abroad through the neighbourhood with the result that I had a good audience and felt that no harm was done to our cause. While preaching near Dr. Thillibom's place, I attracted the attention of a boy bordering on young manhood. He was much pleased with what he heard and invited me to preach at a schoolhouse near his father's home on a certain Sunday, which I agreed to do. At the appointed time, I went by railway to Gardner, a little station on the Chicago, Burlington and Quincy Railroad, where I found the young man waiting for me. As soon as I saw him, I knew he was in trouble and that it concerned me. On our way to the schoolhouse, he told me that when he had returned home and had told his folks that he had heard me talk and had invited me to come down there and preach and that I would find entertainment at his father's house. They scolded him roundly for taking such a liberty. He was greatly mortified, but I comforted him the best I could. The schoolhouse was small, the congregation sparse, and a marked degree of solemnity rested upon us. No harm was done except that I lost or failed to get an expected dinner, but in that experience I but shared a fate common to our eldership. I never felt I had reason to look for or expect better treatment than was accorded to my brother preachers. The whole incident is now but a dim memory, though I still feel sorry for the disappointment the young lad suffered because of the cold reception his family had accorded his youthful enthusiasm. The next heading um, says dedication. On September 1st of the year 1883, I visited Montrose, where I assisted in dedicating a chapel erected by the saints. It was the result of the labours of a devoted band of sisters, headed by sisters Tom Tom Green Timmons, um, bear with me. <laughs> um, where am I? 
Maddie Omen and Eliza Newberry. When they had gathered a sufficient amount of money, they had turned the enterprise of building over to Elder William Anderson, John Tomtom and Nephi Shumate, members of the branch, who, supplementing the work of the sisters, completed the, ver the very credible building in a reasonably a short time. Assisting in the ceremony of dedication were elders Joseph R. Lambert and William B. Smith, A. H. Smith, E. C. Briggs, G. A. Blakesley and M. H. Foscott were also present. It was my fortune to be present with the Saints at Nebraska City under the presidency of J. W. Ward Smith when they dedicated a very neat brick church. Oh, you have to excuse me, my glasses are falling off and I'm still uh, it's a bit unwell <laughs> uh, building there. Um, one which had gone into disuse through the scattering of a local Methodist Episcopal flock. This dedication was on September the 30th, 30 years from present writing, September 17, 1913. I was also then assisted by Elder M. H. Foscott, who had located there with his family. That city was their home until he and his wife were called to the life to come. They had a family consisting of a son who had not yet given evidence of following in the footsteps of his father, so far as church work is concerned, and two daughters, Amy and Ruby, who are carrying on the millinery business established by their mother. The elder Amy married a druggist by the name of Pa, while Ruby married a man by the name of Fonts and reared a family. In their sphere of action, both have always been staunch supporters of the faith preached and maintained by their father. At the time of the dedication, the Nebraska City branch had a notable assistant in the person of Christina Nilsson, a spinster of the Scandinavian race, who was a very faithful and effective worker. Since removing to independence, now seven years ago, I met a Mr. Rogers, a resident here, who upon the, upon the occasion of our introduction started, stated that he had met me before. Answering my inquiry, he said, I was present at Nebraska City and attended a meeting of your people when you dedicated a fine little church there. I shall never forget hearing you read the lines of the song with which the exercises opened. Nor will I forget the sermon which you preached upon that occasion. Both have remained with me through the years, especially the song. Like myself, he was an old man 
Since our meeting, he has passed over to the majority. The song he remembered was O oh, um, oh, Bow Thine Ear, Eternal One. I cannot but think that there must have been more than an ordinary portion of the spirit of the Master with us throughout that service to have left such an impression upon the mind of a stranger. I'm going to leave that there and carry on in another episode. Thank you for listening.